Father, we, we thank you for the book of First Thessalonians and your apostle, Paul, who penned these words so that we might understand what lies ahead. And we see how he corrected some doctrine that was going astray, askew. <clears throat> and he was able to do so because you have used him in a mighty way. You have filled him full of your Holy Spirit. And we'd ask, Lord, that you would do the same for us. Fill us full of your knowledge. Fill us full of your Holy Spirit. Give us that heart of optimism. Even those things may seem bleak and, and dire in some cases. But we had asked that you would help us, Lord, to always look up. For that is where our redemption comes from. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I'm going to back up just a little bit. I think we got to verse 7 in chapter 5. But I'm going to back up to verse 4 in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. It says, but you brothers are not in darkness that that day should surprise you like a thief. You are all sons of the light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and self-controlled or sober is what uh, the translation probably should be. Verse seven, for those who sleep, sleep at night and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. So this day he's talking about, it, it will not overtake us, those who follow Christ, it will not overtake us by surprise. We, we won't suddenly go, what is happening to us? We won't do that because God laid out for us, Jesus did specifically Luke 21, Mark 13, and Matthew chapter 24, as well as the book of Revelation, and, and Daniel, and Ezekiel, and all of those books combined, we know what is going to take place in the future, but also in Matthew twenty four forty two, he says, "Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come." So, if we're always watching, we know He's coming. We can see Him in the distance, whether at day or night. And so, like a thief that He was using here, that's suddenly or sudden. And I've covered this already. I just want to remind you. But we see signs that the day is approaching. Because the wickedness, love of most will grow cold, according to the book of Daniel. We see those signs coming to us, especially with the infanticide legislation that's coming up. Our hearts grow cold for the little infants, those who are the most innocent and to be killed after they are born. Not just during the pregnancy, the abortifacents all the way up to the, the final day before the baby is born. That's what... Uh, some in this country want to do and and we see that that the love of most is growing cold if the country goes in that direction and we need to fight against that but this passage it tells us that we're supposed to keep watching or be alert back in verse 6 be alert and be self-controlled now if you're alert you're looking what is the first thing they tell somebody who's getting a driver's license be alert Look around. Look in your rearview mirrors. Make sure there's nobody behind you that could present a danger. And make sure you're far enough behind the cars in front of you. And they give you all kinds of instruction to always be alert. Looking at your gauges if you have them. Make sure you're not distracted, not texting on your phone. Be alert. So that's the same thing for us. We have our Bibles and we're going, so what's going on? Jesus told us what's lying ahead. Now, what are these things exactly that are being set up? The precursors, we know that there are false Christs, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes and famines. He spells that out for us also in uh, the other Gospels. He lets us know what's going to happen. 
Have you guys, or do you remember anyone that came along in the last century, this century, that claimed to be Messiah? Have, can you think of anybody? Does the name Maitreya ring a bell with Benjamin Krim? I remember in the 80s listening to this Benjamin Krim, and he said, the Maitreya is going to come on the scene and he's the next one to come after Christ and he is going to be like the Messiah of the world. And you can look him up. And he was supposed to be the guy, Benjamin Krim died, I think, in uh, 2016. I think that's when he died. And Maitreya still hasn't shown up. And there's still websites devoted to this Maitreya. He's supposed to be like the Messiah. <laughs> that's one. And then maybe you remember Mr. Sung Young Moon and the Korean church. He was born in North Korea. And he had several factories that produced several things and he ended up moving to the United States. And it was incidentally, remember the guy by the name of Bob Dole? Bob Dole in 1984 threw the guy in prison, brought charges against him. <clears throat> or at least he pointed the <clears throat> prosecutors in that direction and he was convicted of tax evasion and he is in prison but he still continued to move and you know he's the one that's responsible for reviving the washington times he believed in propaganda and he also thought that god had appeared to him and he was the next one in line and everybody was supposed to follow what he had to say kind of like the messiah figure there were other ones that you may not be as familiar with in puerto rico there was jose luis de jesus miranda and he was claiming to be the next Messiah. There was Sergei, I'm just going to not even going to try to say his middle name. His last name is Torop, T-O-R-O-P. He came out of Serbia, <clears throat> was an ex-traffic cop. And I saw a picture of him. He's walking through a crowd. He looks like Jesus and his hands are out and people are trying to touch him. And he thought he was the uh, Messiah. Also, Alvaro. Lise from Brazil thought he was the Messiah as well. And he, these people had thousands of followers and Alan John Miller was out of Australia. There have been false Christs ever since Jesus left this earth. Even before that, there were false Christs that came out. I'm the Messiah. And if you just do a search in history, you can find them all. Now, we just don't see them all, but they are out there in the world and sometimes they get thousands of people who follow them. So the false Christ, he told us false Christs are coming. Then there's the wars. And I told you about Alexander Solzhenitsyn and what was going on uh, in Russia at the time. And by the way, he was talking about Crimea and Ukraine and everything going on there and the people getting arrested there. And uh, Ukraine has always been against Russia and Russia against Ukraine. And that battle has been going on for decades and decades. That's not anything new. Then there's Myanmar. Myanmar, I, I just got another email from Pastor Drew at Calvary Chapel Alpine. There are hundreds of people being killed and tortured and houses being burned down. It's a terrible battle that's going on right now. Also in Iran, even Afghanistan and Ethiopia. There are, there are wars that are taking place around the world that you never hear anything about. The ones that are focused on are focused on for a reason. Now, what those reasons are, and I think there's multiple reasons, we'll never really find out. There's people behind the scenes that are working on that. And God told us there's going to be wars. And there's going to be rumors of wars. And when you see that, what are those called? Those are called birth pangs. We're not at the tribulation yet. But he said, you just keep watching. When you see that, 
These are birth pangs. And then there's earthquakes, you know, and there's a debate. Are earthquakes getting better? Are they getting worse? In any given year, we are to expect at least 16 major earthquakes throughout the world that are between 7.0 and 8.0. And they're going to cause devastation. We've built things so well here in the United States, especially California, when we have an earthquake that's maybe down in Calexico or something that's 7.0. We just go, what was that? I don't know. What? Feel some shaking. But you go to a third world country and buildings are collapsing and people are dying and sometimes tens of thousands of people. So we know that there's going to be earthquakes. That's going to happen. Natural disasters and even famines. Now, have you guys heard that there's going to be food shortages? You have, right? Have you seen the price of wheat? It is just skyrocketing because Ukraine and Russia are responsible for a lot of the meat and maize that is used to feed third world countries like countries in Africa. Africa is not going to be getting a lot of that food. They don't grow their own. They're poor countries. Kids, women, children, uh, adult men, they're going to die. And that's being set up right now because of this war that's going on. And it's, it's not only going to happen because of the wars, but because of drought. In California, they're saying we are heading into a mega drought. You know, it's interesting in the Old Testament, whenever you see the drought, it could be because of a judgment of God or God wants to make a big change. Like he wanted to get uh, Israel down into Egypt. So he did that by creating a famine. He got them down there. So then he multiplied them there and he got them back out. So God uses famines to direct the affairs of men and women in this life. So we know famines are coming. Also down in, uh, where is it, New Zealand, they're talking about just a mega drought down there. This is one in a thousand year drought that they think is going to be taking place. And so all around the world in different spots, there are these droughts that are, that are happening. So we have, and the droughts lead to famine, which leads to death. So these are all precursors these are signs these are the birth pangs mark 13 verse 7 says that beginning of birth pangs well what else what else are we supposed to look for that we know that the end is near the birth of the nation of israel may 14th 1948 you know if you go back to amos that's just one of the verses that talks about one of the chapters and verses it's amos 9 verses 14 and 15 that god says he's going to restore the nation of israel this is a prophecy. It says, I will bring back my exiled people, Israel. They will rebuild the ruined cities and live in them. They will plant vineyards and drink their wine. They will make gardens and eat their fruits. I will plant Israel in their own land, never again to be uprooted from the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. So that's a prophecy fulfilled. So we see that and we go, okay. You go to Ezekiel and you see there's temple sacrifice in the millennial kingdom. That temple has to be rebuilt. We know that the Antichrist is going to set himself up. Also in Daniel chapter chapter 9 abomination makes desolate the temple is built there's preparation made in israel already they could get it done in like six months if they wanted to do it they could do it tomorrow so we know that that's a sign we're at the end israel will never be uprooted again no matter what the arab countries around the middle east say they are going to exist for as long as this earth exists and into the new kingdom what else are we supposed to look for well, the World Economic System, you know, we've talked, I've talked about this extensively, 
I remember in Revelation 13, verse 16, he is forcing everyone, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand or on his forehead so that no one could buy or sell unless he received the mark. And so what that means is there is a central location that everybody is accountable to because the Antichrist will know what you buy or what you sell because all your money will go through a system where he can see it. Now that's just inferred from the text. He's the one that's going to be in control. And he will be able to determine, or those who are under him, his lackeys, if you're buying what you're supposed to buy, if you're buying what you're not supposed to buy, I'm sure they will sell it as the black market will disappear. All illicit activity, the drugs and everything else that comes across contraband, all that will disappear because you won't be able to buy or sell unless you have the cash, unless you go to strictly barter system. And it says here, he's going to force everyone to get it. Now, remember the vaccine passport. You still can't travel to some countries unless you're vaccinated. I know some countries in the Caribbean, over in Europe, you have to have it in order to get into their country. They will not allow you to buy a ticket to get in. So there's a little bit of that going on right now. And I've already talked to you about some of the Amazon stores that you go in and uh, you read your palm and they will be able to just let you walk out with all the stuff. You don't have to go buy any uh, checker or anything. So they're going that way. Some countries are going to the digital currency, the Bitcoin. Uh, you can buy some houses. I, I heard of a guy down in Florida. He's going to build a development, and you can only buy the houses with Bitcoin. And they're going to be on the water there. And several companies are going to the, the digital currency that you're going to have to purchase the digital currency. Now, one thing with that, Joe Biden signed something, I think, a month or two ago that the government is going to look into developing a digital currency for the United States, which means none of these other currencies will be able to survive because they won't be in control of it. And all the cash that you have will have to be changed over to the digital currency in order to let you purchase. Now, that's where they're headed. I've I've read several articles on this. That's where they're going. But it doesn't stop there. <clears throat> they want to monitor all of us, right? They, they want to know where we're going, what we're doing at any given time, and in real time. Now, uh, I think I told you this a few weeks ago. You know, Elon Musk, the guy who's trying to buy Twitter, and he says he's out for blood. You know, he wants free speech, and people are opposing him, and they want to knock down that free speech. And by the way, if they're keeping track of you the whole time, uh, they'll be able to monitor your free speech and give you social credits. And this goes back to Alexander Solzhenitsyn and what he was going. You couldn't say the wrong things, and you had to be silent most of the time, and you had to agree. And if two plus two doesn't equal five, you have to agree that it does, and then they want you to believe it. That type of thing. That's the uh, um, Brave New World uh, by uh, Aldous Huxley. That's what they're doing there. So they want you to conform. They want you to fall in line. Now, one of the other things with this, I couldn't believe it. Now, this guy comes out of the World Economic Forum, and he was talking about your medications. You know how you go to the uh, pharmacy and you get your prescription? They are now developing, they have these chips that will be in the pills that you take. They will know if you've taken your medication. Now, why would they want to do that? And that chip will communicate that you have taken the medication once it's dissolved. Why would they want to do that? Well, imagine an insurance company. Have you been taking your medication? 
If you haven't been taking your medication, we're going to give you a phone call. We notice that you haven't been taking your medication. If you want to continue to be insured with us, you must be taking your medication. Oh, wait, your medication has been mandated by the government? You have to take it and you haven't taken it? Why haven't you taken it? We're going to send somebody to your house to check on you to see why you're not taking your medication. You see where this is going. So they they can control you. And I've talked to you before about your cell phone. Is your cell phone listening? Is it not listening? And I've talked to you about things that pop up in your ads that you've just talked about. Are they listening to me? And they started to do a study. It was Consumer Reports that did a study. And they said, you know, there's really no evidence that, quote, unquote, the phone is listening to you. The phone, like the Android phone. But they did find that 9,000 apps that you put on your phone are watching. And they're sending videos. And guess who they're sending them to? Facebook and Google. They pay the app developers to put those permissions there. Remember, if you go on your phone and you open up the apps and you look at permissions and you have, by default, you give them all the permissions, you sign up. Yeah, we want to know who you're calling. We want to know your address book. We want to know your location. Why do you want to know location? Why do you want to know all that stuff? Because the more information, the more control they will have. And and so this is where we're going. And, And that's not all. I have a name here. I'm going to give you the name. I got to find his name. Where is it? It's down here. I'm going through it. Hold on. There it is. It's Yuval Noah Harari. This guy is a Jewish professor in Department of History at the Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he's also with the World Economic Forum. What this guy is saying is we are in, you've heard me mention this term before, the fourth industrial revolution. That's where we are headed. And what this guy said is... We are making the change. This is going to be as big as any revolution that we've had before as far as the industrial, the tech revolution, any of that, where we are going to have incorporated our biology with tech. Now, that's part of the medications. You get the medications, you have the chip, so they can monitor what you're doing. And by the way, they say, quote, it's supposed to be monitored by 5G. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm I'm just telling you, they're developing this. I don't know how they're going to read it or the RFID system. I don't know how they're going to do it, but I've definitely seen the chips and they're putting them in medications. And so this particular guy says, we are going to mold together tech and biology. Now, Elon Musk has been working on this. Artificial intelligence has been working on this. How do we, and this guy specifically says, The human brain and biology can be hacked. That's what he said. I go, what are you talking about? And they're, they're trying to work on this thing where you put a chip inside. And then that chip can hook in to Wi-Fi or Bluetooth. And if you want to know something, it will transfer you to the Internet where it logs Everything that you do. Now, you can look this guy up. I'm going to give you his name again. It's Yuval, Y-U-V-A-L, Noah Harari. And he is, again, a Jewish professor, Department of History at Hebrew University in Jerusalem. And he was quite excited about this. Like, we are going to go to the next point in evolution. Uh, Surveillance, he says, surveillance will now be under the skin It won't be from without. It will be under the skin. 
So you start looking at this and go, why would we be heading in this direction? It's because Revelation chapter 13, the Antichrist wants to know what you're doing, why you're doing it. And, and China right now has the social credit system that's there. If you do the right things, say the right things, have the right apps, send the right emails, then you can rent a place or you can buy a place or you can travel as long as you're doing what you're supposed to do. And as the Antichrist has us take the mark, if we were here, by the way, that's what the rapture is all about. We're not going to be here, but for those who are left behind, and it's our obligation, according to Jesus Christ, that we tell everybody about this, that we make sure that they become disciples and they understand this information. <clears throat> so you will, just like when you download an app, you have to hit, I agree. You're going to have to agree to be surveilled, even though it's not going to the mark of the beast yet, they will get everybody there. And you will have to comply with what the government says. And so the surveillance is under the skin, advances in tech and computers and biology. They are all about to merge. And, and I, I want to remind you, maybe you've heard me say this, but 30 years ago, I got a book. And the book was named Fantastic Voyage. It's by Raymond Kurzweil. And he said they're going to mold together biology or biomedicine, tech as well. And I, f I forget the third one. They're going to put them all together and because he, he was, he's an inventor and he followed the patents that were there uh, in the patent office. He said, this is where we're headed. This is what we're going to do. Oh, and the medicine. Uh, that's the other one, the chemical medicines that we're getting. They're going to combine all three of those to make like a new person. It's Ray Kurzweil, Fantastic Voyage, subheading, Live Long Enough to Live Forever. And he's saying they're doing research in the biomedical industry to make the cells, the cells in our bodies last forever. Uh, just like certain cells, cancer cells do that anyhow. And so they're striving after living forever in this body. That's one of the things that he was talking about. So this, it's all heading in this direction. I remember, I still have the book on my shelf. We're still heading in that direction. It just happens to be speeding up. So we are being surveilled even right now. And I told you about Elon Musk and his phone that he's putting out. It's called Pi. And it's not going to be connected to any cell tower at all it's going to be connected to the satellites guess who's going to have control of the world elon musk now do you think he's going to be a friend of those people in power or is he going to be epstein we we don't know what's going to happen to him but the man who controls those satellites and the signal that goes to them they're going to be able to tell exactly where you are when you are and i tried to do some research are there cameras on these satellites? <clears throat> and one, uh, one website said, no, there are no cameras. The other website said, oh yeah, there are cameras on there. Now how many satellites are there supposed to be in the atmosphere, up above the atmosphere? Tens of thousands, like 40,000 of them. So they get your signal. If, now I don't know if it's true, but some people say there's cameras on them, some people say no. How sophisticated are those cameras? I don't know if they are on there. But just imagine if they were. If you were a government dictator and you wanted to know where somebody was, what they were doing in real time, cell phone location, triangulate the towers, oh, triangulate the satellites, 
get the cameras focused on the person, you know right where they are. And by the way, we can send a drone. You you see how this can all take place? So people will be controlled. That's what they're after. Now, if you're going, Bill, you are way out in the universe somewhere, the intergalactic, Star Trek, you know, whatever you're thinking. I'm just telling you what is out there, what they're saying, where they want to go. I'm just repeating to you, just look it up, World Economic Forum. And I'm not talking about fringe uh, type websites. You look up this uh, Euro guy or whoever he is, the guy from Israel. You read Raymond Kurzweil's book. You, you find this stuff out and you're just going, is this really happening? You, you know, the things that are taking place around the world. I, I was talking to Patty about this uh, the other day. There's this movie out. I haven't seen it yet. 2,000 Mules. Uh, I think I'm going to watch it by Dinesh D'Souza talking about the election. He claims to have evidence that the election was stolen. And I was thinking to myself, could it be stolen on that wide of a birth in all these different states that they have thousands of people dropping off extra ballots and all of that? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm told it's like, wow, unbelievable. It's without a doubt because of the evidence that he puts forth in there. Would I have ever thought that 10, 20 years ago? I would not have thought that 10 or 20 years ago. You know, and, and the voting machines and what's going on with that and stealing the election, things that are happening now, I never would have thought would have happened, like the pandemic that we went through. I never would have thought that that would happen. And so with what we're going forward, they're, they're telling us what they're planning. They're not hiding it anymore. And so it behooves us, and, and this, is, this is all going down the funnel of be alert, watch, Why? Because we know that the end is approaching. How far away are we? Well, we don't know, but it's a lot closer now than it's ever been, and we're seeing evidence of that. Now, a few more things. Book of Revelation talks about inflation. It says a quart of wheat for a day's wages, Revelation 6.6, three quarts of barley for a day's wages, and do not damage the oil and the wine. And what he's saying there is the cost of goods is going to raise. It's going to be very expensive. Now, this current inflationary cycle that we're in, it could be just a cycle where we, oh, we're at the top and we come back down. Because we did that in the 80s, late 70s, 80s. You know, it was high. Do you remember what the price of gas was in 1976? I looked it up. 59 cents. Yeah, 59 cents. Yeah, and then when we had the oil embargo and the crisis, you know how much gas got to? $2.67 to $2.97, depending on who you read. I would love to be at the oil embargo again. Now it's over 6 It's $6 a gallon. And I told you this a few weeks ago, too. The way that they're measuring inflation now, they take out the cost of food and they take out the cost of fuel. Those things used to be in there, but now they're not in there. When they were in there during the Carter administration, the interest rates to buy a house were 18, 19%. You couldn't buy a house. They say that the interest rate right now is between 8 and 9. I don't believe it. I think we're being lied to, but they've taken out fuel and food. Well, it makes sense. If you take out those two things and you try to have the CPI and you're looking at what inflation is, consumer price index, you can see that, well, maybe it's only 8 or 9. Now, I think it's more like 14 or 15. I looked up for Canada what their inflation rate is. And they say, well, you know, it's a 7, 8, 9% depending on who you read. 
And I just listened to an interview this last week of somebody who may be headed for the prime ministership up in Canada. He goes, hey, it's 14%. They're not telling you the truth. And the prime minister up there now, and I forget what his name is. Anyhow, he, he's just ruining the country. It's, it's going bad. Russia, 16.7% is their inflation rate. <clears throat> you know, gasoline, you know how much it is in Alaska? $16 a gallon. I like $6 a gallon, you know, compared to $16 a gallon. <clears throat> and, you know, they're, I forget where it was, but they are now reprogramming gas pumps to take double-digit prices for a gallon of gas. Not just six, but like ten. So they're reprogramming the gas pumps. They're preparing for it. Just like we need to be prepared, we need to look at that and go, what's going on? You know, it's, is this going to get bad? Is this not going to get bad? What's lying ahead? We, we are in this, we're heading towards what's known as stagflation. Now, that's a word that hasn't come up in a long time. Stagflation is where you see things are getting really expensive. For instance, I just heard somebody bought a, at McDonald's, a breakfast egg burrito, $9.00. For a breakfast egg burrito. And you go, when you start hearing prices like that, you're just going to go, I ain't going to McDonald's. I don't know where I'm going, but I ain't going there. Highly technical word, ain't. <clears throat> and so when prices get like that, you start saying, we all start saying, I'm not buying. I'm not spending money on anything I don't need. I have to get to work. I'm going to buy some gas. That's it. I'm going home and surviving what I have on there until this kind of turns around. <clears throat> you know, so this, this inflation is heading up, but it's stagflation. In the stagflation, you have people not spending, and you have interest rates that are sky high. That's where we're going, stagflation. There is no movement in the economy. We're just going to hang. We're just going to stagnate. No growth, no decline. Everything is static. And that's where we're headed. That's what the Bible talks about. During the time of the end, there's going to be this radical inflation. If you want to buy a loaf of bread, it's going to cost you what you make in one day. That's how much it's going to be. So we see that we're heading in that direction. Will it continue in that direction? I don't know. I think we might get a reprieve. I think maybe people will get into office that will change the direction and inflation will go back down. The economy will start to heat up again, warming up, I should say, not overheat. And we might get a period where it's, hey, oh man, that was a terrible time to go through. But they're forecasting it could be 10 years at this current rate before anything turns around. And yeah, I've been... I've been reading a lot lately, just trying to get all these figures down and what's happening and where we're going and how it relates to what the Bible is. And, and this is not out. Now, this is the icing on the cake. I don't know if you're going to like this one, but you're going to like getting the information. Do you know who the who is? Not who's on first, what's on second. Who, the World Health Organization. The guy's name, <clears throat> Tedros, Dr. Tedros Forget it. It's just Dr. Tedros. You can remember that. He's the guy that you saw with Xi Jinping shaking hands during the pandemic. He is the guy that is in charge of the World Health Organization. 
through him and the NIH, the National Institute of Health, <clears throat> with Dr. Fauci, they were making the decisions to close everything down to where nobody was doing anything. Right now, still in Shanghai, they're closed down. And any month in Shanghai, there are millions of people that live there, they sell 22,000 cars in any month in Shanghai. Not one car has been sold in Shanghai. They are locked down. Nobody is doing anything over there. The World Health Organization is starting today, I was going to mention this last week, starting today, going through this next week, and you can look it up. The Biden administration has sent their desires to the World Health Organization in this meeting that's taking place in Geneva. And what 193 nations are going to do is give up their sovereignty in a vote this week. What they're going to say is, if there is a pandemic, we give the World Health Organization the power to dictate what happens in 193 countries. In other words, if in the United States we say, we are not shutting down. You, I don't, who is the who? Who's who? We're not going to do this. And who is from Whoville and he's an imaginary character. I'm going to do what I want. I'm just going to go forward. Well, they can come in and say, oh no, we're shutting down the freeway system, the highway system. No trucks allowed. So they shut everything down. Oh, we're going to shut down the planes, the jets. They're not going to be able to fly. What will that do to the economy? It will diminish the wealth of the individual in this world what about those who are poor that live on paycheck to paycheck their paycheck's going away well the government needs to send it, step in and give them some more money well let's raise the taxes in order to do that well the who organization it's not just the pandemic that they're going to be voting for let me get this is a quote here they are committed to complete health colon a state of complete physical mental and social well-being and not merely the absence of disease or infirmity so whatever the who organization says we need to do for the health of the world we have to do this is a quote from a website they will be given authority to declare global health emergencies relating to any aspect of global health that's a key phrase any aspect of global wealth from food shortages to climate change, to broken supply lines, to sanitation is issues, to obesity, to medical information, and so on. So in other words, the United States, Joe Biden is sending somebody over to say, we're for this, 193 nations, even Israel is buying into this, and we're all going to say, okay, whatever, who says, that's what the rest of the world is going to do. They are going to be in control of the entire world if there's a climate crisis, oh, our CO2 is a little high, we have to stop driving. Now, I'm an optimist. And you go, how can you be an optimist with all this stuff going on? I know the end of the story. It's okay. God told us, Jesus told us, this stuff is coming. And so, and so how do we react? How do we not overreact? What do we do exactly in, in this life? And, and there's so many things that God told us to watch out for, and the one was, be alert. Now, are you watching the news, both sides? You know, I really believe there's only two sides. There's good and there's evil. 
There, there are those who lie to you left and right and those who are good. And you have to pick and choose who you trust to deliver the information. You shouldn't even trust me on this. You should go and look it up for yourself and you can say, you are lying to us or he's, yeah, it's all out there. He's telling us the truth. So he tells us to be alert. In other words, we are supposed to go about our business just as we normally would. And when there's a hiccup, we we just kind of go with the hiccup and we do what we can. We want to make sure we are aware. We want to make sure we're communicating this to others. I was listening to a financial advisor yesterday. And he said, you know, he's in the stock market and what do you do? And he says, you diversify in the stock market, but the stock market's tanking right now. He said, well, you also want to make sure you have some cash on hand. You want to make sure if you can, you own some real estate because in inflationary cycles, you own real estate and you own some precious metals, those type of things. And you want to make sure you have a, a little bit of food set by because if one of your neighbors is really ailing, you could give some of the food to the neighbors. And so all of those things this financial guy was talking about, which, okay, that makes sense. But we're all in the same gutter. But we know who the bright and morning star is, Jesus Christ, not Lucifer, the one who pretends to be, the one who's going to come along and say, I'm going to go ahead and save the world. So he says, be alert, know what's going on. I've told you ahead of time. And he also says, be self-controlled or sober. Now, what that means is be clear-headed, Clear in your thinking, not going overboard, being balanced, being knowledgeable, not panicking. Like, what do I have to do? How many guns do I have to buy? we're, We're not going to fall into that. Now, do you protect your family if there's rioting going on, stuff like that? Well, yeah, you, you do that. But, but you don't start becoming the vigilante going out there. You know, the one thing we're supposed to do about this, as we'll get to in a moment, is pray. Going on in verse 8 of chapter 5, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. And, of course, this goes back to the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, where God does this. The righteousness is his breastplate, the helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance and wrapped himself in the zeal like in a cloak. You know, that, that's the first reference to this. And then you have Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 6, that talks about the full armor of God. You put that on, the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You have the sword of the Spirit. All of those things we're supposed to walk around with. And we worn out against flesh and blood. It's not those people that are trying to enslave the populace that we're fighting against. This is a demonic thing. This is a Satan-controlled thing. And so that's how we have to be praying. If there's something to be exposed, we just pray that it would be exposed and that those people who are in control, who are liars, who are trying to pull the wool over your eyes, it would be revealed. And once it's revealed, the people can stand up and go, you are lying to us and this is not right and we change the direction. That's what God wants us to do. We are, by the power of the Holy Spirit, the restrainers of evil in this life. That's why we vote. That's why we express our opinions. And we don't have to be belligerent about it. We don't have to be stupid about it. We want to make sure that... We are the peacemakers. We are the ones that present solutions to the problems that are out there, and hopefully people will listen. Eventually, that's not going to be the case. We know it's all going to turn around. We're raptured and we're out of here, but we leave the information behind. Verse 9 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We see where it's heading, but we're not going to be part of the system ultimately. 
we're going to be out of here. That's what the rapture is all about. Now, excuse me, a little dry throat here. Verse 10 says, He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep or alive or dead, is what he's referring to here, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up each other just as, in fact, you are doing. So these are the light and momentary troubles that Paul was talking about in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. We are going to suffer in this life. If we want to live a life for Christ, we're going to suffer. In this country, we hardly suffer compared to the rest of the world. I mean, we still have it so good compared to places in Africa, the Soviet Union, some of these other countries. They're just in misery. And it's good we're not living in Ukraine today because of the war that's going on there. And so he just tells us, be optimistic. If you're in the gutter, you're looking up, you see the stars. Even though it's rough going, it's not that rough for us. And there's still a weight of glory that is ahead of us. Then he goes on in verse 12, talking about leadership and submission. He says, now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with, with each other. And, of course, this comports with Hebrews chapter 13. Verse 17 says, Obey your leaders and submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Just like the, uh, not the pastor's perspective, but the food for thought that was on there. That These people are in government and we are supposed to be submissive to them as long as it doesn't violate scripture. When it violates scripture, we say, no, nope, not doing it. And we have to be willing to suffer the consequences of that. Then a further exhortation to leaders. It says, And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, and be patient with everyone. And admonish or warn those who are idle means those who are disorderly, those who are not on a track, those those who are not living their lives in such a way one day to the next, having a plan going forward. They're just kind of all over the place. These people were in the church, and he's going, Hey, you need to shape up a little bit. Get with the program become that disciple of jesus christ be a good citizen have a job be able to share things with others then there's those who are timid or faint-hearted and this is the opposite of brave when i give information like i've just given to you there's some people who may say this is worrisome what's going to happen what's my life going to look at you know matthew chapter six tomorrow has enough worry all of its own Just worry about today. Just stay on today. It has enough trouble in this day, one day at a time. You've heard the phrase. That's what we're supposed to do. Don't get all worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow, you know, most of the things people worry about never come to fruition anyhow. Yeah, except for two of them, you have to pay taxes, and we are going to die. Those are going to come to fruition. But everything else, we're not going to have to worry about, okay? Then make sure... That nobody pays back wrong for wrong. Who's he telling this to? He's telling this to the people in the church at Thessalonica. What do you think was going on in the church at Thessalonica? You wronged me. And there was this pay. I'm going to pay you back. That's the world philosophy. Why not be wronged as a servant of Christ? Scripture even teaches us this. It's better to be wronged than to start 
creating a scuffle and, and paying back evil for evil, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. So that was probably an issue inside the church there, and he addresses it. Then he gives some practical application. Be joyful always. Now, this is not... I'm so happy the world's coming to an end. No, that's just ridiculous. You know, but uh, I am happy Jesus is coming back, but I'm not happy for the people who are going to suffer. I mean, that's the realistic view that we're supposed to have. And if I have to suffer, okay, God knows we have been given that privilege, Philippians chapter 1, to suffer for him it's a privilege to suffer for him. Not that we're signing up, I'm here to suffer. We're not doing that. If we have to go through it, we do it with a level head. We, we want to make sure we're presenting an example for those who are before us that we see all the time. So be joyful, always pray continually. In other words, never stop praying. No matter who it's for, even the guy who cuts you off in traffic, pray for him, pray for the government authorities. Then give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances you don't say lord thank you for bringing the suffering to me no pray in the circumstance remember paul when he was in the philippian jail started singing praises at midnight Woo-hoo! he's he's singing praises to god in chains in a low ceiling up against the wall and filthy conditions and they're singing because they have this joy be joyful always you know, and for the chains, if Christ's name gets praised because of that, okay. But you don't start giving thanks for the problems that you experience. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And do not put out the Spirit's fire. You can do a whole message just on putting out the Spirit's fire. But I'm just going to condense it down to this. What is agape? Agape is selfless love. What's the opposite of selfless love? Selfish love. If you put yourself out there, if you are the center of the tension, you quench the spirit, which is a selfless love. And he tells us not to do that. Even John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. So you put forth Christ and not yourself. And do not treat prophecies with contempt. All these things that I gave you uh, today, they come from prophecy. And you might say, where's the promise of his coming? We're warned against that. We have this information. We're not supposed to look at these things with contempt. Test everything. Hold on to the good. Just like I told you, test what I'm saying. Go check it out for yourself. Avoid every kind of evil. That kind of evil is that which would be harmful or something we would get involved in that is just stupid or something that is diseased or it's a bad deed. It's vandalism. It's theft. It's mischievousness. It's wickedness. Just avoid all of those things. And verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are a trinity, body, soul, and spirit. We have the spiritual life. We have the soul, which is our personality. It's who we are. And we have the body. And may it all be kept blameless, spiritually clean. Avoid idols, foolish notions, spiritism. We want to make sure our mind gets washed through the washing of the water with the word. And the body needs to be cleaned, the drugs, the sexual immorality, all that were to put to the side. 
And also the soul. What are you taking in? You're reading the word. You're making sure you're keeping up with what God's will is according to the scriptures. Verse 24 says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. In other words, he's the one that will keep you blameless. It's not something we work at. And then it goes on to say, brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. And one final word here. When it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Sometimes people wait around for the Lord to bring to fruition our sanctification. In other words, I'm living apart from the world. I'm living for Christ. Look at this. He has done it in me. Well, there's a predicate to this. And he listed it from verse 12 to 22. I'm going to read it again. It says, it was verse 12? No, it's verse 16. It says, be joyful always. It's for us to be joyful. Pray continually. We have to do that. Give thanks in all circumstances. We have to do that. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. We need to do that. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. We need to do that. Test everything. We need to do that. Avoid every kind of evil. If we do those things... God works in us and sets us apart. It's not the opposite. God, keep me from sinning. No, he says, you stop sinning. You're sanctified. You're set apart for him. Now, that's hard. I hope the Lord blesses you with the insight to do these things, to avoid evil, to test everything, to be joyful always, to pray continually. If you're doing all that, the Lord is setting you apart for his purposes. And we know what lies ahead. And then that's where the joy just bubbles up from the inside. You start going, wow, Lord, you said this is going to happen. It's going to happen. I can tell people about it. They see it. They recognize what's going on. Some people will be saved. Some people will reject. But I'm doing your will. I'm in the midst of your will. That's our job as disciples, to just be in the midst of his will. May God bless you. May he give you insights beyond your years. May you find this information as well. May you be a good steward over the things he has given you in this life. And may you be a witness unto the day you die for those people who are around you. And may they receive the salvation from your witness. Let's pray. Father, we we thank you that the Apostle Paul gave us this information. He told us in several places what to expect, how we're to be alert. Your word in Matthew, Luke, and Mark, and Ezekiel, and Daniel, you have told us, Lord, what lies ahead. And we can be optimists. We can be in the rut. We can be in the ditch. But we're looking up for our redemption draws near. We thank you for your word and your word of encouragement. In Jesus' name, and the church said, please stand.